to the Red Wave Report, the number one rated Fresno State podcast, the official free podcast of thebarkboard.com. The thoughts and opinions are that of the show host and in no way reflect the thoughts and opinions of the university. And now, here's your hosts. Welcome back, everyone, to the Red Wave Report. I am Lucio Reek, your host of the show, and, well, I have my co-host also on the show, Mr. Lorenzo Reyna. Lorenzo, how are you doing today? Folks, I have a big announcement to make. I have until November to apply for a certain job at Fresno State. <laughs> yes, if you aren't aware and would like to get a head coaching job, they have posted the application online for any of you who want to uh, apply for the head coaching job, so... Uh, I don't know if uh, too many of us are qualified for that, but, uh, you know, it is We are there. underqualified, all right? I mean, I, I, I'm not even going to sniff it because I already know that I, Fresno State's just better off without me. <laughs> it's uh, it's going to be one of those interesting ones right now. There's a lot of different rumors flying around. There's a lot of different ideas of who should be hired, who, uh, who's going to be hired, and who shouldn't be hired. I mean, it's it, it's it's beginning to turn into sort of a circus isn't it lorenzo but this is what happens when you see a coaching change regardless of what university it is whether if it's a mid-major an fcs school or power five i mean we're already seeing that with lsu we could be seeing that pretty soon at texas and now we're starting to see it right here at fresno state and and the you know there's a lot of different things flying around one of the major uh, rumors going around right now is the the hiring of Jed Tedford, um, and it's it's just something that uh, I, I don't know. I mean, there is sometimes what they say where there's smoke, there's fire. Maybe something's happening here, but the university is really keeping tight lip about the whole situation and have actually denied reports of actually talking to Tedford. So. Uh, I don't know, Lorenzo, what do you think? What, what's your thought on the, that whole Tedford situation? I don't know because, you know, I've seen this before where like ADs or administrations in general, they kind of downplay who they're talking to. And in reality, they end up talking to these certain people. I mean, here's the thing. And we want to clear this up with people because there is a population that doesn't want to hear the Jeff Tedford name. But there's also a huge population that wants to hear the De- Jeff Tedford name. Several sources have told Barkboard and have told other media outlets that Jeff Tedford is well on his way to Fresno State. Now, we don't know for sure if it is true. I mean, we obviously, we need to hear from Jeff Tedford himself, and he hasn't really come out and said anything. But, you know, just when you look at the situation, Lucio, it seems almost as if all the eggs are in one basket for Jeff Tedford to come back. And it's it's actually what what's kind of funny is if it does come true that Tedford does become the head coach over at Fresno State, uh, I'm just going to go on record now and saying that this was the worst kept secret in all of history. <laughs> it was. Uh, I mean, if if it does fall through, you know, if it does end up happening to Tedford coming in and being the head coach, I mean, everybody knew about it even before, you know, right during the whole press conference of of uh, Tim DeRuiter being fired, the questions were already being asked about Tedford. So, uh, I mean, it's the worst-kept secret around and if I'm it sure ends up happening. I'm sure those same questions were asked when Eric Keyshaw 
was introduced as the interim coach. Yeah, I mean, so it's, uh, I mean, oh gosh, it's kind of been a whirlwind these last few days. Is just trying to figure out what's going on. Everybody's starting to throw in who the next coach should be. There's been, I mean, if you go to the internet now, you can find a total, uh, you know, just a bucket load of different lists of of coaches that should be uh, considered for Fresno State. And another one of those names that keeps being thrown around, Lorenzo, that I I think Fresno State has a long, I mean, a serious long shot of even getting is Lane Kiffin. Uh, I I don't even want to hear Lane Kiffin's name. I mean, it's (laughs) like if you're going to toss in Lane Kiffin's name, toss it out right now. I feel like Kiffin is the coach in waiting at Alabama. And not only that, it's like he would be too expensive to come to Fresno State. He would have too much baggage to come to Fresno State. And on top of that, why the hell would you want to leave SEC country? I mean, it's just it's uh, I, for people to even think that Kiffin would even consider uh, the job here at Fresno State is kind of mind boggling to me. There's there's no way there's no way Kiffin would even come here. He's he's basically right now. He's pretty much getting paid. He he would probably be getting paid more by staying put at Alabama than he would be getting paid at Fresno State. So, uh, in fact, I, the last time I saw, I believe he's the he's the richest assistant coach in college football, right? Yeah, he's he's getting paid more than some head coaches out there. So, you know, I I don't understand the the whole thing behind Kiffin actually wanting to come here. He would have to take a drastic pay cut in order to do that, and I just don't see that happening. So, um, and not only that, you look at the, I mean, don't get me wrong. I feel like from, from observing Kiffin the last few years at Alabama, he's become a lot more innovative as an offensive mind. I mean, he actually runs a lot more gimmicky plays for Alabama. I mean, Alabama's not as predictable offensively as they once were. And the fact is, is that if Alabama does win a national championship, this season, it's going to become either harder for Alabama to keep Kiffin, or they're going to have a hard time with refusing to slap him as the coach in waiting over there. But again, it goes back to what I've been saying. It's like, you know, between Jeff Tedford, between Lane Kiffin, Kiffin's the one name I don't want to hear about because I just feel like that he comes with too hefty of a price tag and he comes with a little bit more baggage than what people think. Now the 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 truth of the matter is is that uh, right now there's a 14 day waiting period uh, by law f- for California state universities they have to post the job and so that's why we mentioned that the applica- the the job opening the job uh, application is up online because actually it is online you can go and apply if you want uh, for the next 14 days they have to take applications. And and then after that, they can start doing interviews and they cannot even they can't even do any interviews until that 14 day is up. So that being said, you know, as far as hiring a coach, Fresno State typically in the past has hired a, a firm to help them in in aiding and finding a head coach. They've opted not to do that this time. So what does that tell you, Lorenzo? What I mean, does that tell you that they pretty much know who they want to, to hire already that's what it sounds like and i know that Marco and castro and all those guys want to downplay it but if you're not going to have a hiring firm then that tells you all you need to know that they already have their list in mind yeah and so for them for them to not get a firm it just means that a they either know who they want to hire already or b they already have a short list of 
coaches they want to hire. As it was, there was an article I read in the Fresno B that talked about Barco actually having a list in his back pocket in the event a coach left. And he does have this list for football. Yeah, and so, you know, that that leaves us kind of like who was on that short list. And at the Bark Board, uh, our, you know, one of our, our site contributors, Matt Kennerly, had actually brought up a list of available coaches that he thought would probably be, be a better fit. But to tell you the truth, all of these guys are, you know, either hot – uh, offensive coordinators or defensive coordinators. They're, they're just the coordinator position. And I don't think that's what Fresno State needs right now. They need a proven, um, established head coach to come in and kind of change things up, don't you well, think? Well, I will, I will say this about Karen Lee's article. I mean, he does bring up some valid points. I mean, one name that actually caught my attention that he brought up was Jim Levitt, who's currently the defensive coordinator at Colorado. People forget Levitt was highly successful with building South Florida into the program that it was. At one point, South Florida actually shot up to number two in the AP Top 25 polls. Unfortunately for Levitt, his stay at South Florida ended because he abused a player. He physically assaulted a player. Now, the other thing about Levitt is that I read that he's 59 years old. I mean, Fresno State's going to want somebody who's going to be more of a long-term fix, not so much somebody who's a five-year fix, more so a guy who has like maybe seven to ten years left in him. But here's the thing about Levitt, though, is that he is part of that building plan at Colorado, and we've seen what Colorado is doing right now. Colorado's back in the top 25, and Colorado's defense has been pretty respectable with Levitt in control. So, I mean, I am kind of convinced about Levitt, even though he's up in his years. But as far as some of the other guys on the list, like Lonnie Galloway was at the top, the Louisville offensive coordinator. Well, Galloway's name is sprouting up because of the fact that he's coaching Lamar Jackson right now. The problem with Galloway, he doesn't have any previous ties to California and to the Central Valley in general. And that's the kind of person that Barco is actually envisioning. It sounds like that he wants somebody with some kind of Valley roots, somebody with some California ties, which is why you're hearing Tedford's name. Well, and, and there's there's another one of those coaches on his list that actually uh, I've heard this name pop up a few times already uh, prior to his list, and that's Doug Nussmeyer from Florida um, as the off- the offensive coordinator from Florida. And what what do you think about this one? He does have Fresno State ties. So- well, here's the thing we do have to remember about Nussmeyer: the year that he was at Fresno State, it was actually an underachieving year. It was the 2008 season. When Fresno State finished seven and six, and they were they were started out the year ranked in the top twenty five. Yeah, they beat UCLA. Well, it was a UCLA team that was pretty terrible. But you know, since then though, Nussmeyer, to his credit, has built a pretty solid resume. I mean, he's made stops at Washington. He made a stop at Alabama. He's with Florida right now with another former Fresno State guy, Jim McElwain, and there's also Tim Skipper on the staff as well. So he does have that Fresno State tie-in. How much he's learned from being in the Power Five remains to be seen. But, you know, Nussmeier to me, Nussmeier's not really my top choice, but I do feel like that maybe, just maybe, Barco should actually take the initiative and give him a call. And he just may very well be. Like I said, I've I've heard this from a multiple different sources that he he may be he may be on that list and uh, could possibly you know you know have a shot at uh, at the head coaching job. Now, of course, you, we can't discount the offensive coordinator that's already there. 
I mean, if he's able to kind of turn off four, you know, rip off four more wins with the remaining uh, games in the season, what do you think, Lorenzo? Does he even have a shot? Uh, Wait, who? The, the, the current offensive coordinator at Fresno State. Well, here's the thing. Here's the deal with Keyshaw. I mean, he's in a situation where he doesn't – honestly, Lucio, he doesn't have to win all four of these games. If he can manage to get a new level of intensity and enthusiasm for Fresno State, either he's going to look good as somebody who can shed the interim tag and take on the program full-time, or he can manage to keep his job as offensive coordinator for the next regime. But these next four games are going to have to really play out and really show a side of Fresno State football that has not only been seen this season, but hasn't been seen in a while. Now, if Tedford does get hired uh, as the head coach, I see a lot of these assistant coaches staying on as far as the offensive side of the ball because the, these are all guys that have dealt with Tedford at one point in an, uh, or another in their uh, career and uh, could uh, very well see them staying for Tedford. Now, on the defensive side, I could see some changes being made. Ward would probably be out, uh, but... Uh, you know, I think some of the pieces are already in place. If Tedford were the the man moving forward, now there are there are some other interesting names that have come to our attention as well. I want to mention this name, actually two names at the University of Utah. Now, Matt Kiernley mentioned Morgan Scally, the defensive coordinator at Utah, but here's another name that I'm sure a lot of Fresno State fans are familiar with, and college football fans are also familiar with. That was brought up, Dennis Erickson. Currently the assistant head coach and a running backs coach at Utah. The guy has just so much credibility in him. Problem is, is that he is up in his years, but I mean, you know, you never know. I mean, he might be interested. I know he's <laughs> recruited heavily in this area, in the Valley area, and you never know. He maybe there might be something about Fresno State that could influence him. Well, and I was, uh, it's funny that you mentioned that he's getting up there in years. I was thinking to myself, is is he is he allowed to bring his little oxygen tank with him uh, while he's standing on the sidelines? I I just I I don't see that happening. I don't see Erickson uh, taking over the program. He is way up there in years, and they need they need a show sort of of kind of. Uh, a coach that's going to be here for the long term, at least for recruiting eyes. I mean, if you bring in Erickson, he's he's getting up there in age. I just don't. Maybe see that it might be a three year fix. You would say, yeah. I mean, definitely. I mean, it, it, anything that's going to happen right now, it's going to be. I'm thinking it's going to be something that's going to be done for the short term to bring in someone to get the program righted again, uh, someone who. Is looking to stay here just short term, just to kind of turn things around well, and then move on. And well, one trend that I'm sure you've been noticing is that in the Group of Five or Power Five um, coaching realm, a lot of these guys are actually either in their late 30s or their early 40s. And you also look at Boise State, and you look at a guy like Brian Harson. Harson's not even 50 years old yet, and Harson's having all kinds of success right now at Boise State. Granted, you have. Rocky Long, who's sort of like the black sheep, Rocky Long's like 62 years old, but he's been able to build San Diego State into a prominent power. One other name that surprisingly did did get mentioned, Brady Hoke, defensive coordinator at Oregon. I mean, he was canned. He was ran out at Michigan, and his Oregon defenses are struggling right now. 
now. But here's the thing to keep in mind, though, Lucio. He managed to rebuild San Diego State into a prominent program and a prominent player in the Mountain West before he bolted for Michigan. And not to mention that he has close relationship and ties uh, with Bartko here at Fresno State. So there is there is that connection with Hoke, uh, something that could eventually, uh, you know, Hoke could very well be on that short list. So it's something that we'll we'll kind of have to keep an eye on. But uh, you know, one player that I know is not that is not on the short list, and I, I need and I have to kind of squash this now because people are already kind of trying to try to put their this guy's name in there and that's and that's david carr i mean really he's not gonna come i've heard david coach. carr's name and i've heard Trent dilfer's name i mean get those out the, those two names are completely out uh they they're right now they're they're they have other obligations and i those guys are long shots to come in even at head coach maybe somewhere down the line as an assistant somewhere but i don't see that happening anytime in the near future i do have two more names though that i want to mention to you and these guys do have some tie into fresno state got to start at vanderbilt he's currently the offensive coordinator slash tight ends coach but he's a former fresno state assistant and it was during the time that david carr was there andy ludwig he might be a name you're familiar with oh yeah i'm familiar with that name uh and he would i mean i don't see that being a, a terrible fit i mean he could come in and do something uh, and the other name that I want to mention, and he's a he's another prominent Fresno State name, an alum, and certainly the last name does have some kind of prominence at Fresno State. He's a 49-year-old, does have some longevity left in him, and he's currently with the Jacksonville Jaguars, Kelly Skipper. Kelly Skipper is another name that I've heard being thrown around. Uh, even even with if Tedford came around, I've, I've heard things of maybe Skipper coming in at some point. I don't know. I mean... As an assistant, why not bring in Skipper as an assistant? I know there's another guy who's out there who's been sort of campaigning to to come on and being on the the coaching staff for Fresno State, and that's Clifton Smith himself. Uh, I know some of you might be familiar <laughs> with Clifton Smith, but uh, he's been posting on his Twitter feed that uh, you know he would he wouldn't turn down an assistant job here at Fresno State if given the opportunity. So why not? I mean, absolutely. Here's the other thing, too. It's like, you know, Clifton Smith wasn't just a star at Fresno State. He was a star at Edison High in Fresno State's backyard. He knows how talented the Fresno area, the high school scene in Fresno is. He would build those relationships. He would tap into some of his former teammates who are now coaches. I mean, I almost feel like that. Whoever does get the job, they should bring in Clifton Smith in some capacity, whether if it's running backs coach, whether if it's recruiting coordinator. But here's my thing, Lucio. Your recruiting coordinator needs to be somebody with Central Valley ties or somebody who has actually interest in the backyard talent. And, and it needs to be someone who is already sort of kind of recruiting in this area. Uh, and and knows the area, not bringing in another head coach from uh, from somewhere over in the east side of of, uh, of the U.S. who comes in here, and then all of a sudden the recruiting strategy is they're recruiting Florida and Georgia and, and Texas, Texas, and, and all and, that stuff again. Yeah, we need someone who comes in here to actually recruit California. First and foremost. All right, here's the deal now. He's currently on the staff right now, but I already know for a fact that, you know what, he might be on his way out. I mean, Pete Germano. Pete Germano, the defensive line coach, he's the Central Valley recruiter, but 
I've had countless, I repeat, countless of parents in the Valley region telling me that either Germano just isn't interested or by the time he is interested, it's already too late. It's it's been a it's 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 been a trend trying to figure out what the recruiting strategy has been here in the Valley. I've had a hard time kind of gauging, uh, you know, just how they're doing it here. Players have told me they're not really they have had very little contact with recruiting as far as Fresno State. So that to me tells me they're focusing more on out of the area kids than they are even the kids here near and and dear to the valley and that's just not the way you kind of need to do things you kind of need to the, the next valley regime, first the next yeah the next regime or for that matter even Keyshaw, they need to have a sit down conversation with pat hill because you remember lucio Pat Hill very seldom went to Florida or Texas to get talent. He started in his backyard and then worked his way out. Now, granted, yeah, you can argue, well, Pat Hill lost some players to USC, Tennessee, Arizona State. Well, I mean, you know what? Sometimes the grass is greener on the other side. And you know what? Sometimes a kid wants to go play for national championships or Pac-12 championships. And who could blame him? But in the DeRuder regime, DeRuder was losing his own backyard kids to Boise State, Colorado State, San Diego State, Utah State. I could go on and on. And the next regime, the next regime needs to reestablish the relationship with Don Eriks at Bullard, with Matt Johnson at Edison, with Clovis North, with Rich Hammond at Clovis High, with Central, with even Mendota, with Kingsburg, with El Diamante, Tulare Union, Tulare Western needs to reestablish the relationship with all those coaches and make sure that, you know what, we are taking an interest in you guys. We definitely want your guys on board. How about, how about this name? How about someone who has actually worked with Pat Hill more recent than anyone and uh, in, in kind of left not only at first didn't want to leave, but actually left because, you know, it's an opportunity he couldn't pass up. And I know I'm going to get some flack for this from people, but how about John Baxter? You know, I don't mind Baxter. I mean, granted, yeah, he's been nothing more than a special teams coach. And there's that skeptic skepticism about whether or not a special teams coach can be an effective head coach. Well, I honestly wouldn't mind Baxter just because the simple fact that he was at Fresno State for many years. He implemented, he implemented a very strong academic program that has continued to work wonders at Fresno State and even across the nation. And I mean, I I don't think he should be the first choice, but at the same time, Lucio, I'll admit that he's definitely a guy that should should actually be worthy of a phone call. Well, and, and the reason why I say him is, you know, not only because of the academic uh, game plan that he had implemented in getting that going again, uh, because I, I have a feeling that it's been tweaked over the years and Baxter can help kind of get that back on, on track again. Um, but also, you know, he's at USC and they're already recruiting in California. So he's going to have some of those ties with California kids that uh, that we're going to need an influx of right away, and that should be able to kind of help kind of solidify things a little bit. But uh, again, you know, yeah, he's unproven, and I know I'm going to get flack for it, but, you know, why not kind of a thing? You know, since everybody wants to throw in a bunch of names, why not I throw that one in? I it, To me, I wouldn't mind him on the short list uh, just to kind of, 
just to kind of try and see if he can kind of get things turned around a little bit. Now, there's two names that did sprout, and they're very young guys. And I mean, Jake Spavadol at Cal, who's 31 years old, he's actually younger than both you and I. Well, I feel like that Spavadol to me needs at least two more years to really solidify himself as an offensive corner because it just it seems to me that his claim to fame is that he coached Johnny Manziel. <laughs> <laughs> and it could be. I mean, uh, I don't know. I, it, that That's an interesting name to kind of throw out there. I, I have one, and you know there's one that I've been throwing around for quite some time now that I don't think too many people would kind of ag- object to, and that would be Tim McDonald. I mean, w- yes. what do you think about Tim McDonald actually coming in, getting his first head coaching gig, uh, who knows the Valley very, very well? Uh, and I, I feel like that, honestly, I really don't want to hear this. Well, he hasn't been a uh, coordinator at any level or whatever. He was a highly successful head coach here in the Fresno area. And not only that, his coaching experience took him to not only Fresno State for one year, but also took him to the NFL. And the guy, as you know, played at least 12 to 13 seasons in the NFL. I mean, to me, it's like... He has a good enough resume, a sparkling resume, to not only take the Fresno State job, but just draw intrigue back into the Valley. Because, you know what, in being around Tim McDonald, he does have a lot of Valley roots and a lot of Valley pride. Yeah, and I don't see that being a problem of bringing him in, as you know, even without the actual head coaching experience at the collegiate level. I think he knows enough that he can get things done, and he's a name, a name that recruits will recognize, and a name that recruits will you know will will probably come play for if given the opportunity. And he's uh, I don't I don't know. I mean, why not bring him back to back to Fresno from his current job as an assistant over in the NFL somewhere? Um, you know, it could it could be worth his while, and it's someone that could probably wouldn't mind taking a a, a pay cut to get the program started again. Because <laughs> let's face it, he's already got plenty of money to tell you the truth. Now there is there is one name that also sprouted, but I feel like that he's another name you should toss. He's currently at the University of Houston. His name is Major Applewhite. Uh, now, no, granted, no. yeah. Applewhite, you know, yeah, he is building something pretty good at Houston, but the guy, much like Kiffin, also has some baggage because he happens to have a recent gender discrimination lawsuit that was filed against him. Yeah, and I don't see that one happening. All, all I all I know is, you know, we're sitting here, we're spitballing, we're getting all these these names of coaches out that we think could work here for Fresno State, and in the back of my mind, I keep thinking to myself, people just can't get off of the whole Tedford thing. So I don't, I, I, yeah. I, and back to Apple, he's, he's, he's never truly made his trek out to the West coast. The furthest he's gone is Texas. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we don't want more Texas <laughs> uh, recruiting. We, we've hard. seen plenty of Texas already. Uh, uh, I mean, there's the recruiting aspect. There's I just, I'm, the fact that Rodney Terry came from Texas. Granted, Rodney Terry's done very well with the basketball program, but this is a different sport, people. And the bottom line is this. Tim, one of the reasons why Tim DeRuiter failed as Fresno State head coach, his recruiting tactics. He was spending too much time trying to bring in out-of-state 
kids, and I wouldn't doubt a lot of these out-of-state kids were homesick. And not only that, these guys clearly were barely good enough for the FCS level. I mean, I don't know what the Rooters recruiting Texas really were. And we're Lucio and I are still in this position of scratching our heads wondering, you know, what what was this guy doing? The next head coach at Fresno State, once again, he needs to hit California hard. Pat Hill hit California hard. Jim Sweeney hit California hard. That's why Fresno State was actually respectable because they would get not only these kids who were either nearby, but a lot of these kids, Lucio, they had a chip on their shoulder. Some of these kids were under-recruited. Some of these kids were overlooked by the Power 5 universities in California. So they played with an edge. I mean, the types like Ryan Matthews, Devontae Adams, Robbie Rouse, Marcus Riley, the Carr brothers. I mean, granted, Derek Carr was pretty high-recruited. David was also pretty high-recruited. But you could also throw in Philip Thomas. You could also throw in Logan Mankins, who was a walk-on, but eventually worked his way into the lineup. I mean, we could go on and on, and did Josh Harper as well. I mean, I mean, we can the list can go on and on. The, the fact of the matter is, I have nothing against Texas. I have nothing against any of the kids from out of state. the The, the problem that I have with the recruiting tactics was, you know. You need to develop and build the pipeline in California first, and that's something that this coaching staff never did coming in. You know, I probably should take back a few of my words. It's like, you know what? I mean, talent talent is talent. Talent is talent regardless of what state you're in. I mean, at the end of the day, it's more about who develops that talent. The Ruder failed in that aspect. Yeah, and, and and like I was, I have nothing against them, but you need to you need to uh, really establish that pipeline in California first before you can even think about going out of state. And they failed to do that since day one. They never really focused on California very hard in order to get the recruits necessary to be successful here. Uh, can you think of one Texas guy right now on the Fresno State roster who is like really like blowing away people? I mean, I can't think of anybody outside of Oglesby. Uh, no, no, not not really. I mean, even Virgil starting, but he's really not blowing me away to tell you the truth. I mean, uh, in fact, I'm I'm still kind of curious why he's even starting at some points. Yeah, I just I just feel like that. You know, maybe it's more of what Deruder was doing because it's like. You have a four-star quarterback who had SEC offers, and he's struggling at Fresno State. You also bring in Zach Greenlee, who was an Elite 11 quarterback. Now he's gone. And not only that, here's another thing to point out. Tim DeRuder's first recruiting class had Miles Carr, who was originally getting ready to go to Stony Brook, and then Carr eventually moved over to receiver and then left the program. Yeah, and apparently now at the uh, at the level of football that he's playing, he's tearing it up right now as as a quarterback. So, um, yeah, uh, it's just I, they fail to to really develop these players and and get them in positions to to actually win. Uh, I just I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what needs to be done. I really feel like honestly we. We really shouldn't really put the whole entire blame on the players, even though there's going to be no. some players saying, saying that, you know what, yeah, we, um, we didn't measure up to standards or whatever. Well, to me, when I, look, when I closely look at Fresno State, there really is talent there. Don't get me wrong. There is talent there, but it's how that talent's being used. It's just not being used correctly at some uh, certain points uh, from what I can tell. I mean, it's – but, uh, you know – 
that that's why we don't coach. <laughs> That's why we sit here. We're on a cubicle, and we're like, "Well, that's why this needs to happen. That needs to happen." We we sit here. We can say whatever we want because the truth of the matter is, we're not the ones on the field making those decisions. But at the same time, we have a different perspective because we're sitting back watching this, and we also get the other perspective of we know what they're doing in recruiting because that is what we do. We study what they do exactly. And, and you know what? Here's the other thing too, as well as that. Parents tell us what's going on as well. And the parents includes the 559 parents and 661 parents. Yeah, and, and we're, we're getting lots of different uh, you know views from uh, parents, from, from even recruiting analysts telling us that uh, the whole recruiting strategy is just completely off of what they should be doing. And and that's kind of disturbing at, at, at some level, uh, that the, the recruiting – you know, the whole recruiting scheme that Fresno State's been doing just hasn't been working. And, you know, the proof is in the pudding. I mean, we've been watching that progressively decline here in the last three we, years. We can't be here. We can't sit here and say that the Reuters recruiting tactics work because the Reuters re- recruiting tactics clearly led to his demise. His tactics, his uh, ability to develop uh, players, his uh, ability to kind of lead the uh the assistant coaches i mean it's just been it's been a whole kind of you know shambles uh for the past year it's just i i don't know Uh, again i'm not one of those coaches in there i don't know what's going on behind closed doors but from our standpoint it just did not look like it worked and you know it ultimately led to him being dismissed as head coach and now Fresno State is in a predicament now of trying to figure out what the next step is going to be, who the next head coach is going to be, what kind of you know program that they want to build. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of I'm at that point where I'm kind of tired of this uh, this offense that's being run. You know, Derek Carr's not there. It doesn't seem like they can run this pro this whole type of offense without Carr. Well, you know, here's the thing. When you look back at it, I mean, when Pat Hill was fired, there was plenty, I repeat, plenty of talent left over. And that obviously was what drew, what helped draw Tim DeRuiter in. Now, one last thing I will say about DeRuiter is that, you know, I didn't really know him personally. And, I mean, I never really got a chance to build any kind of, like, rapport relationship. But granted, like, in the media, you're not really, can't really do that, like, all the all the time, especially at the college level. But this I will say about the Rooter. It's like, yeah, I will say that he was a pretty genuine, nice guy. I mean, say your mail comes, the Rooter would be the kind of guy to pick up your mail and give it to you without even asking. Or if your car needed to be washed, he would wash your car without you even asking him. But the bottom line is this, though, and I know that there's people out there who don't want to hear this. Well, it's the reality of how college football works. You're judged more in three areas. You're judged by wins, you're judged by losses, and you're judged by your recruiting efforts. The Rooters struggled in all three categories the last few years, and that's why he's gone. Well, and if you notice that uh, the, the there's been a, a steady decline for the last three years, and that's all in part due to his recruiting tactics because of the players that he was able to bring in uh, because the first two years, basically, he won those championships, 
and I hate to say it, this is going to be Tim DeRuiter's legacy, but he won two championships with Hills players. And yep. that, and that's the way he's going to be viewed at uh, here at Fresno State. And it's, it, you know, I, I don't wish that upon anyone, but it's it's going to be one that's going to kind of stick to him. Um, he was, wasn't able to get the, the, the recruits necessary to come in and make this program, uh, to, to keep this program competitive, uh, because you know he just wasn't able to to get the right kids. Granted, the first year he came in, he was kind of handcuffed uh, of getting recruits, but he failed miserably the next two years after that. I feel that this last year, this last recruiting class that came in was probably the best recruiting class that he has had the whole time he was here. But he's not going to get a chance to see them develop later. And and that's and that's that's the fact of the matter. I mean, when you fail in that aspect, what ultimately happens? You get chopped from the program. And uh, well, I, and and that's basically all we can say. So, uh, Lorenzo, let's let's kind of let's hit a different topic. They're going to be heading. Uh, they're going to be playing against uh, Arizona, not Arizona, the Air Force. They're going to be playing Air Force this this Friday, and Keyshaw is going to be at the helm. How do you think yeah. these players are going to respond? Are we going to see players coming out with more fire than they have in the? In the last I believe few games? it, and you know what? Here's the reason why. You heard it from Keyshaw in his first first press conference that. He just felt like that there was like a renewed sense of energy considering what happened, and you know what? There's probably going to be one or two, maybe even ten players who are going to play for Tim DeRuiter, who are going to play with a chip on their shoulder, and they want to dedicate this game to Tim DeRuiter. So I get the sense that this game is going to be the most emotionally driven football game Fresno State will play all season long, especially when you consider that the Air Force Academy was DeRuiter's alma mater. And so I just – I mean – Obviously, you're probably going to see Fresno State. I don't know what the odds are, but I, I mean, I feel like Fresno State's probably going to be another two touchdown underdog, even though Air Force has been a team that's been struggling. But there's just this part of me that feels like that you're going to see a much more different Fresno State football team, a more emotionally driven football team. Now, is this going to be a winnable game for the Bulldogs? I mean, you've got Air Force, who <sighs> typically has a very good team, who has had a very good team the last couple of years. But have I think they've lost the last three games and won in overtime to Hawaii last week. So here's here's the problem, Lucio. It's like we thought that UNLV, Nevada, and this last game against Utah State were winnable games, and Fresno State lost those games. Well, so it, considering the emotion that the Bulldogs are going to have going into this game with the firing of Tim DeRuiter, do you think that that's going to be enough to kind of help push them over to kind of pull out a victory? I think it will, but you know, here's the thing. It's like, don't let the record of Air Force fool you because Air Force still runs an offense that has given Fresno State fits for so many years, the triple option. You also got an impact player in Weston Steelhammer at free safety, who's one of the better ball hawks in the Mountain West. In fact, it's actually been said, I've been reading some stuff on Steelhammer that if it weren't for his military commitment, Steelhammer would actually be a high draft pick in the NFL. And and yeah, so that that, that tells you they have the talent on that Air Force team. But the problem is, is uh, are they uh, are they at a point right now where they're starting to doubt themselves? 
after losing three in a row. I mean, do you think Fresno State might be able to kind of just steal one well, away? Well, UNLV, UNLV was pretty much in a similar situation last week. I mean, there was those losses, particularly the close losses, and they still managed to blow away Fresno State. So, you know, I almost see something similar playing out. But, you know, to the benefit of Fresno State, you're going to have some pretty ticked off players. You're going to have some players who – in the aftermath of a coaching change and with four games left in the season, they're going to be inspired to pretty much look good for either Keisha or look good for whoever does come in and take over as head coach. All right. Okay. So that's a good, that's a good one. Okay. So let me give you another question and probably be the final question of the podcast, but uh, it's one that I'm kind of curious. Do you think there's going to be a bigger turnout now? At Fresno, at the Bulldog Stadium, now that the Rooter has been fired. Sad to say, I think you're going to see at least 26,000, maybe 30,000, which is more than what you saw in the San Diego State game and Tulsa game. I actually think, that, and unfortunately, it had to take a coaching change to do this, but I have reason to believe that there's going to be a bigger crowd for this game. So you think that uh, people, the, the fans are going to, to kind of respond and say, this is what we wanted, so now they're going to show up to the game just exactly. to prove a point. And it's, it's disappointing that the fans would be this way, that they had to wait to a coaching change to finally go to the stadium. But here's the question that I have for these fans. Are you going to leave in the third quarter when Fresno State's ahead? <laughs> well, my, my question is, is if you're not ha- hang, you know, if you're not heading out to the game and you were one of the people who said I'm not going to go to another game until the rooter gets fired but you're still not going to a game why aren't you that's Hypocr- the question I want to hypocrisy hypocrisy on those people that is the that is the question I want to ask and so we'll see just how many people show up even after they said oh we won't go back until the rooter is gone and if if the numbers stay at the same that they have been in the last three or four weeks, then I know that people just didn't want to show up because they just didn't want to show up because they didn't like uh, they don't like uh, supporting a losing team, and that's going to tell a whole different story once the ge- the ball gets kicked off on Friday. We'll we'll be able to see just where the fans are going to be standing as far as this bulldog team moving forward. That being said, Lorenzo, I think we're going to go ahead and wrap up the show. Uh, unless you got any final thoughts? Uh, no, but you know what? I mean, it's going to be interesting to see. And you know what? Here's the thing. Myself, Jackson, and Lucio, I mean, we're going to do everything. We're going to do our due diligence to stay on top of what goes on and who Fresno State does bring in to head coach this football team. I mean, stay with us at the Barkboard. There's there's plenty of features that's going to be coming up. And you know what? Just just bear with us because, you know what, we're just like you. We're on pins and needles wondering who's going to be coming in. Yeah, and as soon as we get that information, uh, as soon as we know of, uh, of any type of announcement, we will let you know. Just make sure you head on over to thebarkboard.com, and we usually post that stuff ahead of time so that you know what is going on. And just keep track of, uh, of everything. If we hear any other types of rumors, we usually post it on our premium board. So if you're not a premium subscriber yet, head on over there and become a premium subscriber because I'm telling you, the, some of that information we post there does not get aired on this podcast or does uh, get released to the general public. So you have to be a member to get that information. That being said, Lorenzo, why don't you go ahead and let them know how they can get a hold of us? At 
Red Wave Report on Twitter. Once again, at Red Wave Report on Twitter. You can also follow me on Twitter at LJ underscore Reina. Once again, at LJ underscore R-E-Y-N-A. You can also like the Facebook page, Red Wave Report. Give us the thumbs up. And that's pretty much all I have. So make sure you head on over to thebarkboard.com and get all the latest news and information on Fresno State Athletics. And again, we want to see everyone heading out to the bull- to the Fresno State Bulldog game against uh, Air Force. And so if you have the time, head on over to that game and support your Bulldogs. And again, on behalf of the Barkboard staff, I want to thank you for listening, and we'll catch you again next time.